The Daily Tab is live for Wednesday. We are going to talk about why the Packers on Hard Knock is more of a dream than a reality. We're going to also chat about Taylor Rogers and his knee injury. We'll look back on the Brewers' win yesterday as well. In that, maybe a little Josh Hader sprinkled in as well. Uh, lastly, we'll talk about Giannis and Grace, and that will be today's show. No Chuck's Corner today. My life sometimes isn't that exciting. So there you go. <laughs> we, if you, Before we get going, I uh, know you'd follow us on social media. Uh, Tabin Keg on Twitter. Tabin Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. TikTok has been rolling. We appreciate all the support. If you're coming in from there, welcome to the show. Um, also on Facebook as well. Instagram, we'll try to get back rolling. I think the problem with Instagram is just the engagement has been way down. Um, and it's nobody's fault. It's like... It's not our fault. It's not. It's how Instagram right now is kind of screwing around with their algorithm. I could do an entire thing on it, but I won't. Uh, so that's kind of why I've been less excited to post on Instagram. So I will try to get back into it. I was thinking about that last night. So I will try to do a little bit more on Instagram. But right now, TikTok is the place to be for us, as well as Twitter. If you're coming in from TikTok, make sure that you are also subscribing to the podcast. We are on Apple, we are on Spotify, we are wherever you get your podcasts. If for some reason we are not on a podcast provider you are listening to, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to make that. And after being subscribed, make sure you're rating and reviewing, make sure you're telling your friends about what we're doing here. Uh, we'd really appreciate all the support. All right, let's talk about the Packers. Let's talk about Hard Knocks. Let's get into it. Hard Knocks premiered yesterday with the Detroit Lions. I think a lot of people were excited. Uh, it seemed like the reviews were pretty good. I heard one person that said it was boring. I watched bits and pieces of it. Um, did not watch the full thing. I probably will watch it uh, if I have some time over the weekend. Um, birds were playing. Wife, I, I was not necessarily uh, someone willing to watch a sports documentary, if you will. Um, she... Puts up with enough sports as is, and we have one TV in our house right now. So that to me was like, oh, actually we have two. But still, I wasn't trying to rush to watch Hard Knocks. And I'll be honest, like I think Hard Knocks is a little bit tougher to watch this year because it's the Detroit Lions. Um, you usually are fired up about the team you're watching. And when I watch the Lions, I want to beat them. I heard a fan say, I don't really care that it's Lions. I love Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell too, um, but I do think he tries a little too hard. And I look forward to beating Dan Campbell's ass twice this year. And I feel good about that. I feel good about taking the Lions under because I think all the hype will be on the Detroit Lions. It already is. Detroit's one of the sexier teams in all of football. They are the Instagram thought of the NFL right now. Like everybody's loving them. They're the page sporanic, if you will, of the Detroit, of the NFL. Uh, so I look forward to taking the Lions under. Um, it's going to be a glorious scene when they only win five or six games. And your boy cashes in. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Green Bay Packers and if Green Bay was ever going to be on Hard Knocks. Um, we'll talk about why it probably will not happen. We'll also talk about what this year's storylines would look like if the Packers were, in fact, the Hard Knocks subject. It probably will never happen because of a myriad of reasons. Number one, the Green Bay Packers do not usually fall, un fall under the rules of Hard Knocks. There are specific requirements that can make a team ineligible uh, for hard knocks, where they say, all right, we're immediately, you're not going to be a part of hard knocks. And they're pretty simple. Uh, number one is that they have a first-year head coach. Likely, Green Bay will not have a first-year head coach in a long time. Odds are Matt LaFleur is going to stick in this gig for quite a while. 
Number two, uh, they have had a playoff berth in the last two years. Last time Green Bay did not make a postseason in back-to-back years was 2017-2018. But the reason why they were not in Hard Knocks or not selected by Hard Knocks was because the Packers had a first-year coach in Matt LaFleur. And then number three, they appeared on Hard Knocks in the last 10 years. Obviously, that doesn't apply to Green Bay. Um, but now the NFL taking a more selective approach to who gets picked for Hard Knocks, you have these sort of things. It's not just who wants the exposure. That's how it used to be. It used to be if a team wanted exposure, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, like the Cincinnati Bengals, um, they would reach out and say, we want to be on Hard Knocks. After teams kind of stopped reaching out because they realized it was more of a harbinger to have these guys around all the fucking time, they said, okay, um, we're going to come up with rules where we can select teams for Hard Knocks. And we're going to see what could make the NFL the most money, draw the most eyeballs, and the Lions were an obvious choice from the candidates this year. Next year, who knows what that might look like. Um, you know, you could see a young Jacksonville team. Like, I think Jacksonville would be interesting if they don't make the playoffs and they have Doug Peterson, they have Trevor Lawrence, they have all these guys, all these talented players. You know, can the Jaguars finally break through? To me, that would be an interesting one. On the other side of the coin, they're also making sure that they have like a midseason thing. I didn't watch any of that. I had enough football during my week where I didn't watch the Indianapolis Colts throughout the year. Um, but that one feels more like, hey, it's an exposure play. Then it's like um, a, you know, these rules and requirements. Because we had the Colts last year. Colts have really not been back at prominent levels since the Andrew Luck days, right? They have their fans. They have a pretty good fan base, obviously. But they, I don't think they have that national fan base as they did with Luck, as they did with Peyton Manning. Uh, that, to me, does not exist with the Indianapolis Colts these days. So they did that. Then the Arizona Cardinals will be this year. To me... The Arizona Cardinals could be fascinating, right? That could be almost better than the Lions because you have a very dysfunctional team letting cameras hang out all season. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Kyler Murray. You have Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime. Like, there are guys there that are very volatile personalities. So we'll see what happens. And if Arizona were to fall apart and do their usual November swoon, similar to what happened with the Colts, I don't know how many people are inviting Hard Knocks cameras in. Because remember, the Colts were a playoff team pretty much throughout the the season, and then they fell apart as the year went on, and then lost a stunning game to the Jacksonville Jaguars to finish off the season. So it might be really hard for the Green Bay Packers to ever reach Hard Knocks levels. I know that the Hard Knocks people would have interest in the Green Bay Packers, but I also do think that the NFL you know, considers if a team needs help. Like the New York Giants, now they couldn't have done this year, but there are multiple years in the past few where the New York Giants could have been selected, right? They were a team who hadn't made the playoffs. They had a first-year coach here and there, but they had years where it's like, all right, we're going to use the Giants. But I don't know if the NFL looks at it and says, all right, this is a legacy franchise. This is a franchise that doesn't need the, the exposure. Why, why should we worry about a team like that? And maybe Mr. Mara, John Mara, you know, one of the more serious owners in all of football might be like, hey, I don't want my guys featured on here. Now, the Packers, whether it's Mark Murphy, whether it's the new chairman, might not have that luxury. Or they might look at it and say, all right, we want to get even more exposure. We want to get new Packer fans in here. 
and this is a way to ignite the fan base and grow grow the fan base, especially if the Packers do hit on some lean years. I'm not saying that will happen, but if you lo- miss the playoffs for two straight years, that would be where where you where you'd get the the rub, right? That'd be where we would start focusing and saying, all right, they should be a hard knocks team. We're probably a long way from that, right? I would be stunned if Aaron Rodgers misses the playoffs in the next two years. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe with Jordan Love, maybe with the next quarterback, if they trade Love, maybe that's when you start seeing the Packers getting rumbled for hard knocks. And they're trying to kind of reignite the fan base that feels like, oh, we're hitting the 80s again. Which it's crazy that the Green Bay Packers have basically, since the early 90s, succeeded. We've been, we've had over 30 years of good football teams. It's fucking incredible. There are only a couple years you point where you're like, yeah, that sucked. But it's been few and far between, man. And that, to me, is like a good reminder about how blessed you are as a sports fan. Not just not just a Packer fan, but like Wisconsin sports. Like that, that shit does not come along very often. So just... Always keep that in your back pocket. Like, if you're mad about the hater trade, you're mad about this, you're mad about that, you're like, I'm still a Packer fan. And I know there are some people who are Brewer fans or Bucks fans, but they're not Packer fans. But for those who are Wisconsin sports strong, you look at that and you say, there's no nothing better. And you could be like, well, we, we've only won one Super Bowl. Fine. But to me, I, I think so many people lose sight at how hard it is to win championships. I think people think championships just grow on fucking trees. The more and more that I listen to, you know, people cry about the hater deal and everything like that, it's like championships do not grow on tricks. But if the Packers were to revert back and and yeah, there was this opportunity to do hard knocks, maybe maybe they're interested into it. Maybe they do. But I think we are a long, long way away from ever considering the Green Bay Packers on hard knocks. To go to to go to Fantasyland to kind of transport us to Fantasyland. If the Green Bay Packers did have hard knocks, what would be the focus? What would be the storylines? I think you would look at it. I think there would be a lot of talk around Devontae Adams leaving the wide receiver room. What the what can the wide receivers do? I think Aaron Rodgers would be a focal point. I think they would make sure that Aaron Rodgers had his moments right. And Aaron Rodgers has been more upfront with the media than he ever has in his career. So I think Aaron Rodgers would actually be more open to it than maybe he has in his entire career. So I think Rodgers would have a level of comfort that I don't think people would expect, right? And I think this is what I wanted Aaron Rodgers to do two or three years ago. When people kind of thought of Aaron Rodgers as an asshole, this is before like the vaccines, before everything else. And there were podcasts you would go back and listen. And we talked about Rodgers versus Brady and one of the things I had said was Aaron Rodgers does not make himself look open. Aaron Rodgers is very closed off. You don't get a lot of Rodgers interviews where you can be like, hey, this guy's like kind of a good dude. Like, And this is more for the people who are not like Vikings or Bears fans who are just maybe, I don't know, like a Titans fan or something like that. And they, they listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is actually a great dude. And so you look at like his media tour before the season started, did part of my take. He did his weird, you know, self-help podcast. I shouldn't even call it weird. It wasn't that weird. I listened to like 10 minutes. It was not as weird as I think people made it out to be. So I should do a better job. But like a self-help podcast, he's on Bustin' with the Boys at some point with Will Compton and Robert Tunyon. So like he's doing all this media. And that's not who Rogers has been, 
you know, to start a season really at all. So, like, if I was a Bill Simmons or a Ryan Rosillo or even a Kevin Clark, right, I'd be trying to get him. And I know I just used three examples from the ringer or even ESPN. Like, I doubt ESPN, you know, Schefter and Rogers do not have a good relationship. But, like, an ESPN, maybe like a Mina Kimes, right? Maybe she's trying to get Aaron Rodgers. Like, I would be trying to get Aaron Rodgers because it's clear that Aaron Rodgers wants to talk to the media. He wants to do more than just Pat McAfee. And this was the side of Rodgers that I think has been missing for a few years. And having this personalizes Aaron. There can be people who say, oh, well, he didn't get the vaccine, so I don't like him. And it's like, okay, fine. But I think there are a lot of people who got the vaccine and you still like him, right? And I think, unfortunately, because how it goes with baseball, some of those you know privacy rules were violated in a, in a weird way with Toronto and everything like that. Like, those guys should have been able to keep that to themselves. But, you know, the city of Toronto forces their hand. And that's that's a shame. It really it really kind of is. But it's everybody's choice. I You know, I, I've, I've been vaccinated. I've been double boost. We don't need to go there. But it's like, I, I have no problem with it. But I also respect those who are like, yeah, I don't want to take it. You know, I think that's being, to me, inclusive. But that's just, that's another story for another time. We don't need to get into that. So yes, back to hard knocks this season. Yeah, Packer, I think Rodgers would be a huge focus. The Adams thing would be a big one. I think David Bakhtiari's health would be a huge story. I think they would try to focus on that. I don't know how much Packers would give them, right? Because I think they'd want to hold their cards a little tight. I think Rashawn Gary's emergence as a leader would be something that would be talked about. I think with Romeo Dobbs, the way he's been performing, I think beyond just the receiver stuff, It'd be like, oh, Romeo Dobbs is this guy who could be a real thing. You know, Danny Davis trying to make the team from basically nothing in Wisconsin, I think would be a storyline. The special teams improvements with Rich Passaccia. I don't know if they're actually there yet because they brought in eight special teams guys for tryouts yesterday. So that to me says Pittsburgh's Rich has had a fuck enough with everybody on this team. And he's like, you know what? I need my guys. It's like, I, we do not have special teams guys and it's really interesting to see that but those to me would be like the headlines that I could think of I think Jair Alexander would be mentioned a little bit because he just got a big contract I think that there's more pressure on Jair Alexander than there has been in the past Um, we should probably do that as a podcast the pressure index for different guys this season because I I think Jair is up up at the top right now with in terms of pressure because he got a huge contract and that's how it goes once you get that huge contract, everybody focuses on you. It's the Yelich thing, right? Everybody talks about Christian Yelich and what a bad contract it was and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, if you would actually have a fucking brain, everyone would have paid Christian Yelich after the 2019 season. What the Brewers probably miscalculated, you know, is that the Yelich injury was extremely severe and they should have waited. And maybe they would have got pressure. Maybe it would have made Yelich angry. I think the Brewers were trying to capitalize on the face of the franchise, knowing Ryan Braun's time here was, you know, running out. And I think that, you know, we, we've done the Yelich thing so many times, but that to me is like where it's at with that. So I I just know that Jair is going to have more pressure because if Jair gets hurt, Jair misses this season, it's going to be like, well, why did we pay Jair? And I think everybody would. But yeah, Jair has had the injury bug and they, you can't, 
You can't just ignore that. You can't just look at it and say, okay, yeah, Jair is the healthiest cornerback that plays for the Packers. That's not true. So yeah, he'll definitely have a lot of pressure on him and I think he would be a focus. But at the end of the day, the hard knocks will be on the Lions and we hope the Lions hype gets to all-time highs. The Packers do not see the Lions until the middle of the season, unfortunately. Um, I would love to play Lions early, dummy them, you know, send a message. But actually, the Packers play the Lions and honestly, the worst week possible. Um, I will talk about that when we get there in November. But my God, it is sandwiched between the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys. That, to me, screams let down. And so hopefully the Green Bay Packers do not let down and they're able to beat up the Lions as they have for years and years before. Moving on to Taylor Rogers and the Milwaukee Brewers. Taylor Rogers did not pitch on Tuesday in the Brewers' 5-3 win over the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the reason why was because Rogers needed a cortisone shot in his knee. Basically, it sounds like he has knee tendonitis. Um, that's not great. Um, for a pitcher. Uh, Rogers thinks he can pitch tomorrow. It doesn't sound like he's going to go on the IL, but it raises a lot of red flags on did the Padres know and did they disclose this type of knee injury to the Milwaukee Brewers? AJ Preller, back in the day, Padres general manager, had had a history of this. He got suspended 30 games actually in 2016 for not really disclosing medicals on Drew Pomerantz as well as Colin Ray. And that was six years ago, right? That was a long time ago. Uh, But at the same point, I still think that it matters that Preller has done this before. There's precedence for this. So the question is, the Padres likely knew because Roger said he got treatment on the knee. So it's not like Roger didn't know that, or I'm sorry, the the Padres didn't know that Rogers had his knee injury, right? Rogers fully acknowledged that he downplayed it a little bit, to, like in the media, because he didn't want to use it as an excuse. Totally fair, right? Absolutely fair that he didn't want to use it as an excuse. But did the Padres say, like, yeah, he has a knee thing? Did they know this? I know they take physicals. I know that, you know, you don't just trade guys out of the blue. The team doctors would have had to clear it. So the, the Brewers might have looked at it, said, okay, here's how we feel. Like, we'd, we'd cover it. We're not that concerned. If it's still If it gets worse, we'll give them a cortisone shot. And we'll go from there. Now, hopefully the cortisone shot works. Hopefully Rodgers is able to play through it. If not, um, and he goes on the IL, um, that makes this trade look even worse. And it's a it, it already, to me, I wouldn't say it's at a disaster level, um, but it's definitely under the largest microscope possible. So anything that goes wrong right now, people freak out about. And... Rodgers being hurt is not what I think people wanted to hear. Now, if he pitches tomorrow, pitches tonight, today, I was getting there. I was like, tomorrow, today. If he gets, if he pitches today, I think, I think everybody sort of calms down, right? Brewers have a lot of time off, so it's not like Rodgers will, you know, strain that knee and put a lot of pressure on that knee. They're going to have moments where they get some time off. So I think Taylor Rodgers should be fine. Um, I'm not that concerned about it. Uh, if he's not, then I'm not kind of thing. Um, but if the Brewers do think like you need to get him on a quick IL to make sure that he pitches in October, I'm all for that. Like if he needs 10 days off, like that's that's that. And I do want to hear from David Stearns though, if that does happen, like did you know that this knee thing could have been a problem? And if the Padres were up front and AJ Preller, you know, did his job. 
because if AJ Prowler was being sneaky medically, um, I think it should be called out. I think you should make sure that Prowler doesn't get away with this because that to me is bullshit. And he's, you know, he's flew, flown close to the sun before, so there's precedent. And if you're like, Charlie, it was six years ago. Well, people don't forget, right? Like sometimes you just look at it and you, you can't ignore that. You can't just say, oh, the Padres are this upstanding organization. I'm sure they're fine, you know, most of the time, but like that stuff's shady. Like that stuff's kind of under the radar and that's under the rug. And so you you can't necessarily just bypass it and say, oh, Taylor Rogers, they knew about what was going on. Like that, that to me is is a little bit like, and I wouldn't say fraudulent. It's a little naive. It's that to me, that's what it is. It's it's a little naive to be like, oh, yeah, the Padres, you know, it, we, we should trust them. It's like, yeah, I don't know. They're not the most trustworthy team. But if you look at the other side of the coin with the Hater deal, Hater walked three guys yesterday. Hater was absolutely terrible in his first save appearance for the Padres. Uh, he walked three guys. Uh, they blew a three-run lead. All the runs were credited Josh Hader. They had to bring in Tim Hill uh, for to get the final out. He did not even get three outs in the inning. Uh, the Padres ended up winning the game with a Manny Machado three-run walk-off home run. So they they did, you know, obviously survive it. But man, that that was bad from Josh Hader. And it's one game. Um, you're not going to get all excited about it if you were one of those people who are on the island of, hey, are we sure that Josh Hader didn't flame out here? I'm not ready to do that. Um, I had a buddy who was like, oh, Charlie must be happy about this. It's like, well, first of all, I'm not happy. I just... I, I observed that it was, to me, a footnote. It wasn't a major thing. It was more like, hey, what if this guy is not as good and the Brewers know it and they, they want to make sure they get something before his value completely tanks by the end of this season. That was what I was saying more than anything else. I, 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 wasn't, ex I wasn't trying to be like, this is the main factor. I was like, hey, watch out for this. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if a hater gets another opportunity Today against the Giants, obviously maybe it's a mental hurdle uh, since he struggled against San Francisco back in, before the All-Star break with the Brewers. I don't know. Uh, we'll just have to see if Hayter gets another opportunity and where that goes, you know, and if, if he sort of writes the ship. I would assume that he will, right? I would assume that Josh Hader will figure it out um, because that's he's a great pitcher, and that's what great pitchers do. As for the Brewers themselves, uh, got a nice win yesterday, 5-3. to three. Um, That's something you like to see from the Brewers. Start off a series well. It's a two-gamer against the Rays. Their interleague record continues to be very special. Um, they're, I think now, 10-3 or 11-3 against the interleague. It's been really good for the Brewers. Um, they've definitely handled the American League. I think that just speaks to the American League not being as good as what we see in the National League this season. I don't think that's a consistent thing, but this year for sure that's the case. Um, and the Brewers also gained a game on the Cardinals who got whacked by the Colorado Rockies in Colorado. So that's that's a big sort of win. So Brewers now only one game back. I think they're still uh, behind the Padres in the wildcard hunt, which again, it's a little too early on the wildcard hunt. It's not too early on the division in my opinion. Uh, I thought really the defense was the story. You know, Tyrone Taylor takes back that home run early from David Peralta. Uh, you also had the Willie Adamas relay throw that cut down Jose Siri at third base. 
Um, had Siri stayed at second, that would put a lot of pressure on Hobie Milner. I realize he got the next guy out, but I'm starting to really wonder if Hobie Milner is a high leverage guy. I realize Hobie Milner's had a good start to the year. He's been really good for most of this season, but you're kind of starting to see some wear and tear. So whether that is Hobie's pitched too much and he's kind of at his limit or he's been figured out, I'm not sure. But I am less confident about Hobie Milner than I was three or four weeks ago. Um, he, to me, does not scream high leverage. But that's that's just me, and I realize Craig Council might feel differently. Sometimes it takes Craig Council a few times over before he's like, yeah, this guy, we can't necessarily throw him out here in these like three-run situations, if you will. I thought that Matt Bush over Devin Williams was interesting. I do think the fact they used Matt Bush was because of rest. Um, I don't think it's anything to be alarmed. I think Brewer fans are like, oh, you're fucking with Devin Williams' head. It's like, no, he's he pitched four of the last five games. Brewers were just trying to get him another rest day um, and make sure that he was as well-rested as possible for a potentially intense series against St. Louis Cardinals. Like, that's a that's a playoff series for the Brewers this weekend. Like, I, I hope we're all understand that. Like, that is a playoff series for the Brewers. So... If that means using Devin Williams, even though you're down two to one, that might be what happens, right? So I, I do imagine that we're going to get a little bit of an interesting Brewer approach that might not be what we've seen all season because they're made approaching it like the playoffs. And that might be why they're giving Devin Williams a little bit of an extra time. And so I have no problem with that. Matt Bush was great. Um, he was awesome. And so that looked really good. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. We already mentioned the Rodgers thing. The Brewers offensively have been really good in the second half, and it continued last night against the Rays. Uh, you know, they McCutcheon with a great double that sort of got everything going um, early on, and then you had the you had McCutcheon again on two outs, and then Colt Wong with the big double that sort of broke everything open and gave the Brewers a five-two advantage. Uh, Wong's been incredible uh, this second half and been, been a huge part of the offensive success for the Brewers. So love to see that and hopefully they can get another win today. It won't be easy facing a lefty in Jeffrey Springs. Probably means Brasso. I'll be curious to see what that lineup looks like. I realize that you'll listen to this and maybe the game is going on, but I'll be curious to see if they do with Brasso at third base because Brasso, while offensively he's been solid, he's been a mess. Uh, defensively. So I don't know. Maybe it's a first base thing. They have Hira DH um, and give Rowdy another day off. I'm not sure. I'll be curious to see what that looks like. Maybe Yelch day off. He hasn't got a day off in a while. So maybe it's that. And you put Hira out and left and Brasso at first and Urias plays at third base. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what the Alchemist does. Uh, and we'll talk about it with Mitch uh, on tapping the keg this evening. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks to wrap us up. Really not the Milwaukee Bucks, but more Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo played in Greece yesterday, played against Spain. It was an exhibition game. Spain is one of the better uh, national European teams. Giannis is playing in the basketball Euros, essentially. I think Luka also is playing in this. Um, so, and I think Jokic, too. I think all the international guys are playing in this because they have country pride, unlike some of the guys here in America. But that's here and are that. Um, and I realize that sounds very uh, like America. Like, yeah, but it's true. None of those guys play. Like, these guys are all committed to playing for their country. And it's great. And I do think there are some that worry that Giannis could get hurt. But if you're worried that Giannis could get hurt, 
you know, Dallas fans, Nuggets fans are thinking the exact same thing. So it's not like Giannis is one of one here. There are other guys internationally that are playing, and Giannis looks really good. Um, I realize it's an exhibition game. I realize it's one game. It's one game, but 31 points in 20 minutes is pretty fucking special. And throwing down dunks on dudes, pretty good. Looking just like a complete monster and a guy who looks fresh. Like Giannis gets three months off. First time he's really had three months off since the pandemic. Um, and even that wasn't, I would say, the cleanest three months, right? Because you're sheltering inside. You're you're not necessarily maybe working out the same. But now you get three months of just sort of rest, relaxation, and also hard work. And Giannis looks special, man. And... I know that he's always going to improve his game. Uh, some of the clips, you know, his three-point shot, he was kind of was a little more fluid on the three. Um, he was doing some stuff off the dribble. Um, yeah, there's there was a lot to like from that first game. And I realized, Charlie, it's one game. You don't need to, like, be like, all right, book the MVP season. But it's definitely exciting, right? It's definitely, you know, worth watching and keeping your eye on Greece because I think Giannis is showing that, he, he's ready. He's ready for that next step. He's ready for Revenge Giannis. And I think Revenge Giannis is going to be a real thing this year. I think the Bucks are going to be hell-bent on making sure that they do everything possible to get home court. I think that matters more than I thought. The more I've thought about it, the more that I've, you know, really, you know, obviously we're far removed from the Eastern Conference semifinals, but... I do think the Bucks look back at that and think they missed the golden opportunity there. And I think that they're going to be, you know, more alert this regular season. And I think the Bucks are also not going to have that that target on their back. I think the targets go to the Warriors and they go to the Celtics. Will the Bucks still have a target a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. They have the best player in basketball. So of course, guys want to play their best against Giannis. I think that that's known, especially the younger guys, like a Pablo Bancaro. Or I'm trying to think of other other examples of this. Maybe a Zion. I think those guys are going to want to show up against Giannis more than maybe a LeBron, right? So I, I do think that's that's possible and that adds a target. But it's not as large as being the champs and wanting to beat the champs. I think if you listen to you know old NBA players or you listen, I think even the Last Dance kind of talked about this, where it's like you're the champion, so the regular season everybody wants your throat. And everyone wants to beat the champs because it looks good. And the Bucks don't have to worry about that this year. The Warriors do. We'll give that to the Warriors. So that does it for today's show. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. A um, little shorter show uh, than we've had, uh, but that's okay. Um, and I didn't need to talk too much about the Bucks. Just wanted to mention what Giannis Antetokounmpo has been doing. Uh, it's worth it, right? You, you have to talk about it. I uh, want to talk about the Greek Freak when I can. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, tapping the keg, uh, Mitch and I, 471. Uh, throw, I've been throwing around a few different ideas uh, for this, for Mitch. I had one, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll do that myself um, because I, I already know some of Mitch's answers. Uh, but I think there's there's a lot of things to talk about. And and definitely, something we'll, we'll get into a bunch of things. Bruce Cardinals, Packer preseason. Mitch wants to talk Packer naming rights. That should get contentious. Uh, so definitely some stuff to uh, get into with the Mitch Meister uh, tomorrow. So look look forward to that. That should hit your feeds probably late Wednesday night. So we'll have it for you guys in the morning. I know I, I apologize to my morning bros who 
with the podcast. Trying to recover from a cold, so not trying to burn the midnight oil as much as I can. So hope you guys understand that uh, and you're cool with that. Um, but it's it's been nice uh, to do the pod at least three days this week. Um, so there's no signs of us stopping or anything interrupting. Uh, we could have some stuff coming up here that might impact the podcast, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And if we do impact the pod, you always know you can find us on social. Tabby the Keg on Twitter. Tabby the Keg Sports on TikTok as well as Instagram. Make sure that you subscribe if you're new. Uh, if you already are new, uh, no reason not to leave a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a lovely Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.